Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com Whoa. To be blunt, you're going to want to stick around until the end of the show. Instead, we're going to give away one of my copies of the book. You can't get that's on Amazon. They literally yanked it down. Don't think they need to be scared of me. And we don't need to be scared about anything today because it is International Women's Day. And to join us in celebration is Lisa Solomon. Lisa, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Tom. No problem. So uh, what do you do? I work for the Chicago Reader, which is the longest-running independent weekly newspaper in the country. We were founded in 1971 and have been pro-legalization since that day. So we were thrilled to have it legalized in Illinois and done so through the state legislature. So you guys are that rag that always has the weird ads at the end. Uh, some might consider them to be weird, yes. Weird ads at the end. What do you mean? Well, just every big city I go to, you know, like she, she mentioned the Village Voice earlier, but there's always that one rag that has all the S&M and everything else at the end that there's you got to pay your bills. Artsy. It's, it's usually fairly liberal and artsy magazine. And I, I mean, yeah. you said how long has the Chicago Reader been in effect? Or, uh, we were founded in 1971, so next year is our 50th anniversary, okay. and we're going to be doing some big things and some big cannabis things next year. What type of big cannabis things does the Chicago Reader have planned? Well, it's interesting. Next month is the huge Chicago Flower and Garden Show, which has been around for decades, and they asked us to put together a talk on growing and harvesting cannabis at home. So we've got the chief cultivator from one of the big companies here we've got an extraction expert from another one oh, and fun. someone who sets up um hydroponic and aquaponic craft grows and home grows coming oh that's great that's great uh, when is the event it is thursday march 19th so in a week and a half and it's at navy pier that huge space the end of the pier and it's four to seven, so it's an after party for the garden show. This is something new that they are trying this year, so they want to reach out and do like cool events to get people to come that might not have come before or to stay later. So it's four to seven. The panel is four thirty to five thirty, and then there's a cocktail tasting and DJ party afterwards. So it's it's a whole big thing, and the speakers are going to hang out, so you can ask questions of them. You know, those events, because uh, I know you're in a position where you can't be like, yeah, come on, everybody come hang out. Because it's kind of like Seattle Hemp Fest, where every year thousands of people come get high. And then 
but they can't say, hey, come come smoke. Would, would, it, would, would there be a situation where people are like smoking before they go outside? How are they handle the smoking? Because it's legal in Illinois. Is it like this? Don't don't smoke, please. Well, we you know what? We are the news. We don't want to become the news. So we do say for all of our cannabis events, no consumption on the premises because we have not yet had an event where it's legal because if you if they had an outdoor patio that was blocked from public view where kids couldn't see them and tom correct me if i'm wrong then people could smoke out there if they allowed it i gotta tell you in chicago for those people that are here it's hard to walk down the street and go more than a block without smelling weed people are smoking all over the place the cops don't seem to care as long as you're you know not causing problems so there might be people that are lighting up outside you know, but actually in the flower and garden show, they cannot. Yeah, you're indoors, right? I mean, like you're inside. Right. Yeah, you're not like if it was a cigar, and they were they were teaching you how to roll cigars, you wouldn't sit there and chop on a cigar and start smoking indoors uh, right. unless you had the right permits, which is important. And that's uh, there's an HB that's moving through. It's like HB 4046 or something that talks about how Illinois is now looking to uh, allow these types of public consumption areas or public accommodations. After the, the applications get through, I'll have to do a full video about those types of smoke lounges. But that, that would be great if you could have a venue like that in Chicago. I, you know what? I really think we're moving, moving towards that because I hear from a lot of people, even a friend of mine reached out. He's got a new venue in the Gold Coast area. Mm-hmm. New meaning it's a, a room in a restaurant that was existing and they're going to finish out a patio area mm. that's not viewable from the street and they want people to be able to smoke there i love it and that's the thing i mean like uh people that smoke they know that after you get you don't have to like smoke alone and then leave and it's like wow that was amazing no no people could like be together smoking in public and fine uh why that's not yet a thing even in legal states is kind of strange Right. I've been to some industry events here where people have rented out venues and there are rooftop areas or outdoor patio areas and people were smoking. It was kind of interesting because people who know anything about cannabis know like it's a unifier. It brings together people of all backgrounds, all ages. So it's kind of funny to be at an after party for a serious industry event and you have people in their early 20s and people in their late 70s passing around their vapes their joints everyone's just sharing yeah yeah i mean that's that's the interesting aspect of it because even in uh, washington state do you guys allow uh public consumption yet maybe no no there's no public consumption as a matter of fact it's a 25 dollar ticket but what i also guy with the dupe van what's that i'm sorry the dab van Okay, so yeah, that's what I was going to talk about was a, a Levi Lion. Um, I, I shared a video uh, with you, and let me just share it in our in our comments because he's actually fighting our governing body, the the Washington State LCB. Um, what happened was is uh, he create he has a van. He provides a space for uh, consumption, uh, a dab bus, if you will, and uh, it's everything safe. Uh, you, you come in, you sign in as private, part of the private party. You're like, hey, we're now friends, and here's we're some cannabis for you. I contract with all my friends. Yeah, yeah, I share with everybody. But, you know, it's a safe space. And yeah. also it's a safe way of doing things because you have a designated driver providing, you know, uh, safety if you want to go from point A to point B. So not only do they park in one spot, but they also get tours and whatnot. But what happened was the governing body here, the Washington State LCB, Liquor Cannabis Board, uh, they went on his bus and they weren't friends. 
<laughs> you know, the, they charged him for. Yeah, and they confiscated his bus. Like, how do you confiscate a bus? You guys do not allow on-site consumption in Washington State, right? No, even though it's been going on here for over 20 years. Like, even yeah. though we have Hempfest. Yeah, because, well, Hempfest is outside. It's like, hey, buddy, take your joint outside. I, is that what it essentially is? Yeah. Or it's to smoke outside. Because remember that one time we were smoking next to that cop in Seattle? Yeah. It was shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> This is back to the homegrown issue, you know. It's like uh, fundamental rights that we don't have because they want to nickel and dime everything or, or control. I don't know why these people are so adamant to, to create uh, um, uh, crimes. You know, it, it's it's not a crime, <laughs> right? They've actually lightened up in Chicago because the court system's so clogged. They don't want people ticketed for public consumption. Um, Tom, you're the attorney here, so you clarify, but that's why people are so comfortable smoking on the street. I, I'm sorry. My, my, all, my, whenever somebody says I'm a lawyer, I'm always like, I am not a criminal lawyer. I always like to, <laughs> it's like, if you are a bank or a, a very sophisticated corporation, talk to me. If you are like, I was arrested for, I'm going to make a referral. Um, <laughs> but was it, was it a criminal question? Well, right. Just what, you know, what the city of Chicago is doing. I just don't have the policy in front of me, but they don't want people getting busted for just like vaping or smoking a joint on the street. They don't have the time to deal with that. They have more serious things to deal with and they don't want to clog up the court systems or take police time. I'm not telling people to go out and do it because it is illegal and you could get arrested. You could get ticketed. It is a misdemeanor. Oh, I'm not sure. Oh, huh. That's weird. I, I mean, I think the, the ticket policy is fine. Something along the lines of, you know, look, guys, I'm going to start a brewery. And then like, as you leave, I'm giving you drinks, you know, so that you'd be. But then that, that implies the other thing. Well, maybe when they actually do have a public accommodation where you can go and smoke, then it's easier to enforce the, hey, don't be you, no public use. You know, you're not supposed to be using this in public like that. Right. With the same thing with alcohol consumption. Right. Like go to the bar, buddy, you know. Right. It, it just kills me though that these events are low risk events. Like if you had an actual like statistician, uh, an insurance person to look at stats compared to alcohol events, I, I guarantee you the, the, the stats are so low that it's a low risk issue, but still people were, were, were punished for it, you know? Right, right. So, you know what? Make your own choice. If you're watching this, you are probably of legal age, but just be smart about it. That is a box we check on our YouTube channel, to be honest. There is a box that says, is this for children? No. Yeah. Immediately click. Like, this is this is boring civil discourse. Go well, if, yeah, if you're of legal age and a pissed off citizen, civil disobedience is okay, I think, but. Well, I mean, it's, the whole point of a participatory <laughs> democracy is to change the way that we are governed. See, talking with Tom, you always gotta have a disclaimer. So we have another big event, an even bigger one coming up in April. It's the Illinois Cannabis Convention. So there is a cannabis operator out of Boston, NECAN, and they've been slowly going into new states. Whenever they do that, they look to partner with a small to mid-sized media company. Fortunately for us, they reached out to the reader. So it's been great. They've strictly been B2B in the past. We're the first ones to add consumer-facing programming. So in addition to everything you'd want to know about how to start and how to run a cannabis business, compliance, growing, real estate, all of that, we're adding consumer-facing programming. We're going to have physicians, pharmacists, social equity advocates, attorneys speaking about personal use rights, cooking tips, and lots of people talking about how to set up your home grow. 
Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, everybody yeah. loves talking about setting up the home grows. It's one of the nicest things. And that was one of the things that I, I get to do now when I'm relaxing. I'm like, you know, I've got some cannabis plants at home. <laughs> That's just so nice. And then, uh, but I, evidently, we still don't have home grow in Illinois either. So Illinois and Washington State are similar in the sense that your average person is not allowed to grow at home. And I, I find that kind of to be terrible and silly, but it, it's a good feeling to know that you can grow cannabis plants. <laughs> right. It's interesting how quickly the number of medical cannabis card holders has grown here because last summer it was around 50,000, middle of the summer. What is it now, Tom? About 125,000, Oh, I don't know. That would be like a substantial uptick. I thought it was only maybe like 105,000 tops. But uh, if more people want to grow their own, uh, that's after like, you know, a couple years or something, whatever the number is, then you take before the law changed and then just subtract it and be like, those are the people that were growing weed in Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> like, they just, they're, what they're getting is they're buying their get out of jail free card. And, um, and I thought though, and I, again, I am not a criminal lawyer. And so, uh, I should look up the penalty though, for if an average adult was going to grow as if they were a medical patient, what the penalty is for that. I've heard it's been reduced substantially in Illinois. I don't know the penalty, but I know the limit is five per patient and per household. So yeah. if you have five people in the same home that are all medical cannabis card holders, maximum five plants total. Yeah. They tried to avoid what happened in Michigan too, where I think every patient was allowed six plants, but you could designate anyone to be your grower. I heard stories. There are people growing hundreds of plants because they got a lot of people. Oh, right. Michigan, because like I said, Michigan was a little different than Illinois when they were doing their medical law. And so because of that, they had this uh, cultivator, that system that arose from the caretakers that were allowed to grow. And so the grow talent you see coming out of Michigan before it changed. And now it's just like the, the indoor farms that we're uh, applying for, which are complex as heck. Whew, it's going to be a rough week. It just, just read. I mean, I can't wait for uh, the, the thing at Navy pier on March. The, uh, the what, what was that? Yeah. Yeah, the garden show. That's that's going to be after the deadline. I will be thrilled to see that. That's what I'm telling people. I'm like, hey, the apps are due on the 16th. You can come out and celebrate. Nice. Have a great night. Well, it's neat that you're not also going to be attending a non-cannabis event, but you're going to be having a panel there. So that kind of it's a neat little standout of that whole event. You know, the flower right. garden because uh, they have them out here too in Seattle, and I don't think we have any cannabis people ever go to those events. They haven't in the past. This is a new thing that they are trying yeah it makes sense well yeah so many people are interested and you know even if people aren't actually going to set their grow up now they're still curious you have gardeners they want to know what the difference is yeah. yeah it's all good for illinois cannabis because if there's more canisseurs out in illinois there's going to be fewer fewer can of shit i mean it's you're not gonna or if people are going to be trying to pass off crappy product Hopefully, in like two, three years, we're educated and well enough supplied by all the craft growers that you can have really great cannabis uh, right here. Everyone is really looking forward to the craft growers because they know there are a lot of people that have been growing the legacy market. Mm -hmm. And throughout that term a couple of weeks ago, love it because I never liked the term illicit market. Right. It implies you're doing something wrong when cannabis is this beautiful plant with so many healing properties that it, it should be legal to use in any way people want. And, you know, the weed that all the legal weed came from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's what I 
that's one of the more fun uh, questions that I get from the teams that I'm working with on the applications. It's like, so we win. What do they just think we invent these plants? You know, uh, no, no, it's it's one of those things, isn't it? You know. Okay, yeah. that's the question I have for you, Tom. So it's been legal to grow here for a little over two months. Where are people supposed to legally obtain the seeds? Because I'm hearing people just, they get them from friends, they order them from out of state. Is there a place to buy them in Illinois? Uh, That was a a video that I did on here that was popular. Not as popular as Miggy's coronavirus wave. That was awesome, man. But um, it was, it's probably illegal. And then not only is it probably illegal, it's probably just like de minimis. And because how much does a cannabis seed weigh? Freaking nothing, right? And so, like, if you know, again, I'm not a criminal lawyer, but uh, I do know that usually the way the statutes are, it talks about volume and or weight. And so, if it's just considered cannabis because it's the seeds thereof, mm-hmm. and that seed weighs a fraction of a gram, and so you bought a fraction of a gram of cannabis, uh, and it was shipped to you. You know, it's clearly it's not worth chasing. Just like, but yeah. the brownies in Texas, when they, you know, now we just weigh the ten pounds. Now, yeah, that's right. It's different than the brownies in Texas. Well, it's it's the exact same type of thing. It's just that, well, like like those those five yeah. seeds that you got from Mephesto Genetics, they weigh less than a gram. Yeah, the law of semantics is what it is. <laughs> you know, just like with the whole smoking at an event thing, right? You know. No one's going to say no if you light up, and no one's going to get mad either, as long as it's not a cigarette. You know, that's a funny thing, too. It's because I asked questions at the venues. I said, I'm just curious, is it like this on a regular night? And the bartender's like, oh, no. I said, we'd have to throw everyone out here, you know, who's smoking. They're like, we're just, we're letting it go because it's a private industry event, and people are being respectful. You know, they didn't want to cause problems. Right. Cannabis events, you know, kind of evolved that way. I've even out here in Washington, I've been to some on a boat. That was my favorite one. Uh, you know, when everybody's drinking cocktails, and then as soon as you pull out, everybody lights up. Um, <laughs> or even in some of these uh, downtown buildings I've been to, I've attended. We're talking million dollar a month rentals uh, where they hold these little soirees and you know, slide up dabs and everything right there. And uh, uh, well, that's, it's just a little illicit. So another thing that's becoming even more popular now since legalization is like supper clubs, the infused dinners. So they've been going on underground here for a very long time. And some of them are now coming out and selling tickets on Eventbrite, though Eventbrite's booting them off. So we actually have Mm -hmm. a ticket site. A lot of them are switching to because we won't kick them off. Nice. Hmm. Not only is it, uh, International Women's Day, but that was that article that I I, did, I worked in conjunction with in the in the reader. Right. Yeah, you wrote one for us. Yeah, yeah, so that was awesome. And so yeah, of course you can always find uh, the Chicago Reader at thechicagoreader.com. But those people who are early on selling those tickets, you know, now they're feeling bold enough, you know, because you know we they recognize like yeah, I've been doing this for a year or two okay. and. Because that's that's this fine line when it becomes do I need a license for this and what type of license do I need you know because no. are you retailing cannabis and if you're retailing cannabis then you need a dispensary license and so like how do you uh, classify and allow for these types of supper clubs to exist and where should they exist so what I'm hearing I've had conversations with some of the people that have started and that run these 
And I've also had the privilege of attending a couple of these. Fabulous food. I mean, these are really amazing chefs. The, their interpretation is that if it is a private club of which you become a member and then you're attending events, the private club. Spanish model. This is this sounds a lot like Barcelona. And so um, it, 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 I'm not kidding. It's, it's, I've been at this for a bit, uh, but I bet my uh, monitor's computer has uh, the keyboard's dead. Now it's back. All right. Um, Barcelona Cannabis Clubs. Well, they have cocktail clubs just like that. Even here in Seattle, you know, uh -huh. BYOB social places. Yeah, so that's what people are doing. They feel like we're headed that way anyway. It should be legal. It's ridiculous. I'm not starting one myself. I don't want to take the risk. Um, but I, I think it's great that they're coming above board and going to these dinners. Again, you see people from a variety of backgrounds, variety of ages, and everyone's just coming together from this common thing that they really like and enjoy. So it's interesting to see people mixing in ways they normally wouldn't mix. Yeah. Right. And, and, and uh, like you're saying, Lisa, with the range of people you see at right. these places, uh, you know, from middle class to high end, is this the Barcelona thing you're talking about? Yeah, that's, that's just just to do a callback real quick to the Barcelona clubs. And so, like, in Barcelona, if there is a cannabis culture that's going on in Europe, it's probably going on in the, the, the Barcelona area. And then uh, so they have these clubs that you can join. And then you don't buy or sell or purchase anything with cannabis. You're a member of the club. It's somewhat similar to what the Mormons used to do with their liquor. Remember, if you wanted to buy alcohol, you had to go become a club member and all that silly crap. Huh. Well, see, that's kind of what Levi's been doing, too, right? You come on his party bus, sign up, saying, I'm, I'm your party friend. That's right. He's your friend. You know, sign a contract. You're a member of a club. You're a friend. What does Illinois, who's the Illinois governing body? Like here in Washington state is the WSLCB. Um, who are the, the Nazis of fun? We're going to have the show after she gets some time uh, later. That's, that's Toy Hutchinson. And so she said she'd come on the show months ago when I saw her. Uh, and so I'm assuming that I can figure out a way to get her on the show. Uh, <laughs> and we'll ask all about those questions to her directly. Uh, that'd, be so, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, you know what? Come to, to NECAN, Illinois, the Illinois Cannabis Convention. Yeah. Toy Hutchinson is doing the keynote on Friday. Right. 1 p.m. And her title, she's the Illinois Cannabis, cannabis Commission. Yeah. I have to look it up. Her, She's also referred to as the Illinois Pot Czar. But yeah. so she oversees the departments or the division. And was it five or seven different departments within the state of Illinois that are all involved with cannabis? Right. So it's, it's like an omnibus kind of like multi-agency position where she's the chair of it. Yes. We've even got, we've got all sorts of stuff built into our law with not just like, you know, reports about, you know, the usage, it's reports about the industry, it's reports about volume, it's reports about community improvement and diversity and all sorts of stuff that gets involved. Right. Because the law here, I don't know how much you've talked about this on your show where, well, people, a lot of people think of it as an adult use bill. If you talk to Toy and the other people that were involved in drafting and really working hard to pass this legislation, it's like a criminal justice reform bill and yep. drug drug policy reform. But does she pick um, what things to enforce, like with the whole uh, um, lounge topic you know mm -hmm. here in washington it's just the one body saying you know what we're gonna get everybody for everything that we don't have covered 
Well, we Whereas, have to read the statute and see what type of charge the uh, state has tasked her with, and uh, what yeah. way is you know. But so is that more up to the local authorities then? I think it's more up to the local authorities, and in Illinois, this is a state where they really are concerned about the social justice and social equity piece. They know that, you know, the governor came in and did expungements at the beginning of his term instead of doing it on his way out. There's still a lot more to go and a lot more to be done. There are a lot of organizations that are offering pro bono support. So people know if their expungement is automatic or if they need to file papers and to offer affordable support if they do need to file extra papers. Um, but there are still people sitting in jail for getting caught with small amounts of cannabis. So we have other people, you know, that, that stand to make tens or hundreds of millions. Yeah. And then there's people that are having issues like getting their expungements. And because I am a cannabis lawyer on the Internet, when you try to find them, I still get a, a fairly high number of people asking for expungement help. And I'm like, uh, I, I don't know that part of the law yet. Maybe maybe in a bit. Can I, can I get back after the applications? You yeah. know what? I don't want to keep plugging the conference, but we're going to have Cabrini Green Legal Aid. Oh, great. We've got a booth at the Illinois Cannabis Convention. And this is a downtown convention. You know, uh, the Bar Association in Illinois is really, really good about having um, uh, that, that, that type of legal aid outreach that's there and that access to justice and then funding that. So we have uh, a downstate one called like Prairie State Legal. And then uh, a Cabrini Grain Legal in the Chicagoland area. That's that's great. They're uh, there to help these people. Right. And the Moran Center in Evanston, which is more of a teen legal support center, they're helping anyone who comes to them that they can on expungements. In fact, both of those organizations were the February 5th talk I had where we had two physicians and a pharmacist talk about medical issues, but we still wanted to offer support to people who needed help with their expungements. The funny thing is a couple of the exhibitors came in. They're like, Wait, there's expungement support. I gotta go talk to these guys before I set up my booth. Right, right. Because the, that not all of the uh, cannabis offenses that you can get expunged are automatically expunged. Correct. So that you have to they they defined this new term called um, well you know I'll just give this one for myself for a second. I'm doing my own uh, producing. So anyway, they defined this new new term called a uh, a minor cannabis offense. And that would be possession of about an ounce, 30 grams or less. And those are the things that all the uh, administrative, well, all the agencies and all the, the places that have incarcerated and arrested and have these records for anything of an ounce or less. That's what they've been working really, really hard on to get that auto expungement done. And other stuff, like if you were caught with up to the 500 grams, that's eligible for expungement. But you're going to have to then do some legwork and actually go and expunge it. You know, it's, that's, that's going to take help. I think it's great that you guys' events uh, here, Lisa, The it seems like they're all mostly structured towards the law and towards the beginning of this industry that you guys have. Uh, I wanted to show you, um, a, uh, uh, I was telling you my local rag here called The Stranger, which is like your guys'. Uh, one day you guys will have a, a things to do section, and then there'll be a, a, High list. a weed event section. Yeah, we're working towards it right now. Are we, the weed events just go in our general listings? And when we hit a certain tipping point, we are going to break out and do separate weed listings. But our new ticket site that we're hoping to get a lot more cannabis ticketed events on has some. It's tickets.chicagoreader.com. We've mm. only got a couple on there now because it's just last week that we really are moving to promote the site and what we'll do on it. 
Well, and you guys are going to face a lot of biasness. I mean, you already have with brown paper tickets, right? Um, are they listing a lot of weed events? No, what I'm saying is, uh, you guys switching from brown paper tickets to your new site that you're using because brown paper already, uh, you said kick some of these guys out or no, oh, no we weren't partners with it was Eventbrite. Some of these people were listing their events on Eventbrite in the past. We were listing our cannabis education events on an event, right? No issue. I mean, we'd have over a thousand people respond like to a big expo we did last year. Not an issue. I think it's certain keywords or combinations of words that trigger it. It's the uh, it's the larger federal crimes of conspiracy to commit a federal crime. So, and then the money laundering. Some of the some of the people are like, wait, I don't know about this. And so whenever a business all of a sudden starts getting exposure to cannabis money they're like wait a minute and uh, it's it's tough like i finding myself a bank for me being a company that helps startups and other cannabis companies you know comply with their laws right i have a friend who said he spent almost six weeks straight trying to figure out which banks would actually accept cannabis customers and he's a consultant so yep. again not touching the plant at all. Most banks refused to do it. And the ones that he found, they had high minimum balances, high fees, but it's just, it's what's happening. People feel like I'm taking the risk or I'm doing you a favor. That's so right. yeah, I'll gouge you if I can. Monthly fees and double the interest. And yeah. with interest rates as low as they are, thank God for those cannabis companies. Otherwise they wouldn't be making any money. <laughs> poor bankers. That's horrible. I don't know, man. I used to represent them. <laughs> you know, I still do. I, I have like one bank client for right now, and well, more bank clients. You know, help them help them actually bank the industry. That's the whole thing. That's how I got started as a bank as a cannabis lawyer. Wow. Well, actually, how I got started as a cannabis lawyer was about ten years ago. Stay tuned to the end. We'll give away a book. I wonder if we can sell your book for you on the reader site where we sell mm. our. I don't know. Like it, it was just listed on Amazon and there was like a used market for it as well. And then we got over like 2,500 subscribers and then suddenly it was gone. And like it had just been there for years. And I'm like, all right, why is it now gone? Did you ever get an inquiry about that or anything? No. But I, also, I did not look into it. I've been busy. I'm just like, well, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Writing those applications. Right. Yeah. Helping commit those federal crimes. Yeah, so it's interesting too. Have you guys talked about unions? That's another thing we're seeing here. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah uh, it's going to be the ICBW, I believe. It's going to be a big one, the food handlers one. Yeah. yeah, that seems to be the largest, and there are others in the game too. Let's see what happens. The local eight eight one UFCW. Yes, UFC. That's it. The like grocery handlers and everything. Uh, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. They were up here in Washington. I I, I saw a lot of that. Um, uh, when it was medical and they're going for recreational. Uh, matter of fact, the represent represent the, the guy that came out here to talk for them. <laughs> they're uh, Jimmy Hoffa. Huh? They're Jimmy Hoffa. I think that's yeah, what they Yeah, they're Jimmy Hoffa. Is that well here's the thing. Hoffa, right? He yeah. actually had a scandal follow through too after he got yeah. done with this bullshit here. Uh something about funneling money. I don't know. But I mean it, it's a huge racket. It's a billion dollar industry, right? It's already been uh uh what thirty billion? What do we say? Three no, billion. I, I thought. I thought like uh, we should find out how many billions was the cannabis industry was last year. You know, 
because I thought it was less than 20 and I thought it was supposed to get up to about 25 in sheer next year, somewhere in there. Well, I thought Oklahoma did like three or not Oklahoma, somebody, cause you were like, well, we're bigger and we're going to hit 10 billion by that time. Well, we hit 35 mil uh, for, for February sales. Mm. And so um, that says 73.6 by 2027. Nah, I'm looking for something. Oh, that was from 2018. Uh, I'm going to go with these ones, but this is for 2018 numbers then. So like, I don't know how big 2019 was 2018 numbers is who knows. Uh, it's supposed to be to 31 by 2022 in 2017, it was 12 bill and it was supposed to grow to about 17 billion in 2019. I think that's about where it is. I thought we were just getting to 20 billion to be honest. I mean, that just shows the importance of the Safe Banking Act right there. Oh, my gosh. With the Safe Banking Act, yes. that stuff would really, really ramp up. So, I mean, imagine if the industry could get a loan. How many people are like, well, we don't want it yet. It's all in cash. That's so convenient for the people that don't like the cannabis plant, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or for people to get uh, violated and ripped off, the growers, the you know, the shopkeepers. Uh, and I don't know if you guys saw a marijuana moment. They're coming for your guns. Not the guns. How are yeah. you, you can't America without guns. I'm telling you, man, for cannabis consumers, the new Justice Department memo wants to block habitual marijuana users from buying guns. You know what? If they do that, they need to block everyone that consumes alcohol, everyone that uses opioids or benzos. You know, let's level the playing field here. I'm not saying take the guns. I'm saying, I'm saying no, just, but yeah, stop demonizing back. cannabis. Well, to, yeah. It takes a congressional amendment. Or you know, it would take a congressional action, not an amendment. So they would have to change the uh, that the Controlled Substances Act to not include marijuana, and and that takes congressional action. That's the problem. I mean, like the Safe Banking Act can't even get passed. They can't even allow the bank. You want them to just cut to the quick and drop it off the schedule? That would be awesome. But no yeah. way. I think there's an issue with uninformed legislators, and. If all of them would even just take an hour and a half to sit down and watch the movie Grass, there are multiple movies with the name Grass. The one that came out in 1999, produced by uh, Ron Mann, narrated by Woody Harrelson. Have you guys seen that one? Yeah, heard of it. And I, I probably saw it 10 years ago. But yeah, I remember sure it. Did. Okay. So it's now only available on iTunes. All of a sudden, it was gone from Netflix and Amazon. So I got in touch with the distributor. Like my book was gone. It's like, stop them. I don't know why, but so it's it's on iTunes, and that movie takes you through the entire history. I thought I knew most of the history. I, there was so much still to learn. It oh, is yeah. phenomenal, and they need to understand. I went to talk to one of our senators' healthcare aides. It was it's almost two years ago now, and I sat down with her, and she had no idea that cannabis was ever legal. She didn't know anything oh about the racist part of prohibition. And I was shocked because how can you have a legislative aid that is supposed to be focused on this when they don't know the most basic parts of the history? Yeah. And honestly, kids should learn about this in school. I talked Ooh. to my kids about it, all their friends. At first, my kids thought it was kind of strange. Like, mom, why are you talking about weed all the time? But then they realized that, that this is something that is, you know, it's a human rights issue. It's a civil rights issue. There, there's so much to it. It's not just about getting high. 
Yeah. It's about living in a free world and being able to make decisions. People aren't harmed by computers. I mean, like, uh, I think a lot of people stress that health benefit of it. And and then we can't. And then the, the federal law is says, like, oh, my gosh, they're coming to take the habitual marijuana users' guns. So not, first off, now they're making me sound like a junkie because they're using habitual and they're using the word marijuana as opposed to, like, canisseur or, like, you know, cannabis aficionado or medical cannabis uh, user. Oh, you mean you take your medicine every day? Well, yes, that's kind of how medicine works. Right. Take it, you know, um, uh, but then their characterization is habitual marijuana user were coming for your guns. Oh, that is, that, what was that dated, Maggie? What was, what's this? That was, uh, three days ago. Three days ago. Okay, great. Not 1990. So I was at, a conference at DePaul University a couple weeks ago, and Toy Hutchinson was there. She was one of the panelists. And also on the panel was someone from the Vincentian office at DePaul. Don't ask me to say what that is. It's something related to the religious order, okay? Mm. So he made a comment when he was up there. He said, okay, so if I go home and make myself a martini, or martini, or go to a bar and order one, he said, no one's going to ask me, is that medicinal or recreational? He's like, why should people be asking that for cannabis? Yeah. And so they're really involved because of the whole social justice and social equity piece. But they also see the hypocrisy in all of this. So it's wonderful to see more religious institutions getting involved. And there's there's a group, and Tom, if you don't know the founder, I'll connect you with him. There's a group called Clergy for a New Drug Policy. Hmm. Oh, and really? I was going to say, like, yeah, I hear... Uh, there, there's letters to the editor all the time that are anti-cannabis, and they always feature this Jesus fellow who, for some reason, does not want you to smoke weed for that. Oh, well, this is just the opposite. So this is a Chicago-based organization, but they are, they're national. They go and they lobby for the passage of legalization of mar- of cannabis because their whole thing is that, you know, it, it shouldn't be illegal. You have people in prison for getting caught with such small amounts of a substance that the federal government holds patents on for medical reasons. Yeah, they've expired. What? They expired on January. Oh, they did? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. And we were talking about it just when? serendipitously. And so we were talking about the, it's patent 6630-507. When did it expire? Uh, 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 of 2020. Thanks, Jerry. Yeah. But yeah, it's done. Wow. Okay. But so this group, it's phenomenal. And when I say the founder's name, listen carefully because it's, don't confuse it with a more popular name that's similar, Reverend Al Sharp. Huh. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Great guy. Um, and it's just, it's phenomenal what they are doing. And so this is an interfaith group of clergy. You have people from all backgrounds. And then I went to a talk at an Orthodox synagogue a month or so ago mm-hmm. about the Jewish view on cannabis. It was really interesting to hear a rabbi's interpretation, sharing what some of the official like Orthodox unions have said, what other rabbis interpretations are, even going so far as to say that on holy days of fasting where you're not supposed to have food, where you are allowed to take medicine, that there are a lot that would say if cannabis is your medicine, well, then whatever way you consume it, if you need your medicine, it should be fully within the limits of the Judaic law to have it, to consume it. Maybe that's why Jerusalem uh, and Israel are leading the world in cannabis research. Yes. 
Yes. Well, they're loosening their laws because it had until recently or it was illegal. And I don't know if they've passed it yet, but I've heard they're making moves towards legalization. I thought they, had, they, have, a, they have a medical cannabis program over there, but they do. A, that's where, uh, hey, Miggy, can you pronounce that doctor's name that invented it? Raphael, Raphael Machulam. Machulam. Okay. I will forget to pronounce that again. <laughs> I just think it's Teenage Ninja, teenage ninja, ninja Turtles. Why are you having a demonic device to remember this man's name? That is that is smart. That's because I need one of those. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You're going to reference this man forever from now on. You know, I mean, he's the one that. Have you ever seen The Scientist, Lisa? The movie? Yeah, it's a. It's a well, it, yeah, yes, it was so hard to find, but I finally got a link to it. Yeah. Oh no, it's free on YouTube. Uh, I have it one of my saved ones. For whatever reason, I had trouble finding it, but I watched it last year. A great film. Yeah, I mean, just talk about the origins of how he went from you know he's to hear him talk. I mean, for someone who doesn't consume cannabis, you could tell he just was interested in it and found this benign thing that hasn't hurt anybody. Right. <laughs> you know, there's no. Uh, reason for what we are going through right now for the laws and everything for cannabis. I mean, no logical reason. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes from a movie about cannabis not hurting people is in the movie Weed the People. Have you are you familiar with that? Yeah. Produced by Ricky Lake, it follows yeah. pediatric cancer patients. So there's one point in the movie where they're talking to a Mormon woman who has a bunch of old Merck manuals and like PDRs, and she has what looks to be over a hundred post-its, it might even be like hundreds of them, where she has tagged pages that listed these pharmaceuticals that were legal and in these manuals where it was saying to use cannabis for all these different diseases. Man. That was pre-making a Schedule One drug. So okay. the, the history, it's just phenomenal. She's like, it's crazy. Why did the government tell us we can't use this? And I, I got to tell you, I think it was about a third of those conditions were for what I will call female issues. So the men in power, I don't think cared that they were taking away, you know, the thing yeah. that helped women with PMS, with cramps, wasn't hurting them. Not well, it, it seems like also there's this faction. It's always like, like with Tom's book, you know, people trying to eliminate this conversation, like hemp for victory, you know, Jack Hare fucking discovered the, you know, he knew about it. Yeah. They were literally hiding uh, hemp for victory. Right. Like, and so when you watch the classic like we are a propaganda machine yeah. and the cannabis laws are direct evidence of that propaganda machine coming after your guns, keeping it where it is, continuing to write. And keeping people in prison. That, that's right. And that's what I was going to say. Donald Trump in his budget said, you know what? We should fund the Department of Justice to go after those medical cannabis states. What? You know, uh, we didn't have to have that funded. That's been out of the budget for years. Oh, well. So there's a criminal attorney locally that I've spoken to. I see him a lot of events and he tells me that there are people that have gotten caught with like a pound or two of cannabis. Yeah. It's a lot of cannabis, yeah. but um, that have done more jail time and are still in jail than people that are serial rapists. You and know, that's that because the way that the law is kind of, again, I'm not a criminal lawyer, but isn't it because they say like, you have this much, it's this type of felony, it's right. many years. Like, you know, it's it's a table thing. Right. But if that is correct, why, how can cannabis, you know, possession be considered a crime that deserves more time in prison 
than a serial rapist, if, if that is in or, fact or time in prison at all. You know, right. like right. if I, like okay, the IRS could send me to prison, right? Or yeah. I could try to pay my taxes and make a settlement deal with them, right? And so, it, at its core, if you get caught with a, two pounds of pot and you have it, and you're like trying to sell it illegally, and you don't have a license to do it, you're avoiding the tax, and you're also endangering right. people's health to a certain extent because gosh knows what you put in, right? I, I agree with that. And that's why when people say, why legal weed? I say, you know what you're getting. It is so thoroughly tested. And if you have someone you've been buying from for, year, for years and you want to keep buying them, start asking them questions. And that's what type of, what's and that's in the soil? What fertilizer do you use? What pesticides? Know what you're getting. If it's grown outside, is the soil clean? Make sure they get it lab tested. That's what I was going to say. Like, you see, uh, if somebody is caught, peddling their own legacy market product and they get caught with it, they shouldn't be like, oh, eight to 10 years. It should be like, well, the weight of that, this is the tax on the weight of that. Right. And you also have to pay a penalty for selling weed that hasn't been tested by yeah. a lab. And so right. you're going to get a penalty and you're going to get a fine. And it's like, here you go. You owe the state $54,000. Right. I don't have that. Right. But my feeling is unless you know what it is grown in and everything used, you got to be careful because there are so many toxic chemicals. And this was one of the things with the vape crisis. And we actually have a full hour at the Illinois Cannabis Convention on vaping. So you understand what's safe and what's not, because for some people, that's the best way to get the instant pain relief, but know what you are getting. There are contaminants. I don't think people understand how many heavy metals and pesticides that you know, at those levels might be considered safe, but yet when you're combusting them, they can be converted into even more highly toxic substances. I, I thought it was also the cartridges in and of themselves, like the metals on the cartridge may, you know, help contribute to like that leaching. Yes. And I was hearing sometimes it was the chemicals used in the production when you're making the alloys or that are left on there from the processing that test clean and fine. But yet, when you heat them up to certain temperatures, they can become dangerous. So I'm hearing there are new, like, countertop models even for dabbing. I've never dabbed, but I understand that can be some of the purest form if it's done right. But so for people who, and I got to tell you, yes, this does scare me, using a blowtorch type device to do it. Okay, if I need that, I don't want to be doing it. But someone tells me there's a safe, small countertop device, like, you know, a little bit bigger than a grapefruit, maybe. Yeah. We do. So I'm curious to see these new machines. It all sounds cracky. Like, you know, it's called a nail. You get a torch. But, you know, that concentrate that you put on that dab is 100 completely different than the thing that's in a cartridge. Because, like, with the, the thing, the killer was the vitamin E acetate, right? Something that they knew was... Uh, they thought was safe, but then, uh, you know, when you apply a certain temperature, that's when it created all the, uh, you know, damage to the lungs. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, something you learn after the fact that people dying, which sucks, but with the concentrates, you know, concentrates are a thousand years old, you know, it's, it's, it's hash shatter, uh, 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 wax, whatever you want to call it, all the same thing. It's just a different way to extract concentrate, you know? Yeah, we're yeah. using a heat press, and wow. so aren't you maintaining more of the terpenes and flavonoids? Yeah, and other things that a lot of people don't realize have healing properties, and you know the whole entourage effect. Mm -hmm. So we love that here. 
Talk yeah, about the press, the rosin presses are like, yeah, the best, most pure, or a, a CO2 extract or, or a water hash type. See, we need to do a road show with the show, and then I can be like, hey, uh, Jordan is here from, and then go to a, a place that makes these. And so at the end yeah. of the show, stick around at the end of the show, then we're going to use the fruits of this rosin press. And so, you know, you can press some rosin while talking about the industry. So I didn't see it actually used with, with cannabis, but I went out to an office, a guy that we're having speak at the Illinois Cannabis Convention. We wanted him at the Flower and Garden Show, but he had a conflict that night because he also does fire performing. Oh, fire. Yeah. Um, he's going to be speaking at the Illinois Cannabis Convention, and he is the expert from BVV, which happens to be in the suburb of suburbs of Chicago, and they're one of the, if, that, if not the largest retailer of distillation and extraction equipment. Oh, so, yeah. He knows everything about these different mixes and what goes in them and the solvents. And yeah, so if dab is solventless, it's it's a much more pure product. Yeah. Well, even like with the BHO, you know, the biggest thing a lot of, I mean, again, I don't want anything that's been BHO in my lungs, I, though I had it before. Um, and you can smoke something and, and, and be like, oh, this wasn't purged properly because a lot of your accidents happen during that purging process. You know, ovens exploding and, you know, there's vacuum pressure, things that people don't they, they learn how to do it through YouTube and then they blow their apartment up, mm. you know. But uh, if done right, all of the extracts are equal, you know, just some are like you were talking about with the rosin press, you know, more terpenes, more. Uh, cannabinoids, uh, more flavor versus uh, you, can PC. you can also argue that it's fresher. Yeah. It's from the plant. It's kind of like orange juice, but from <laughs> cannabis flowers. Yeah. Have you guys seen those TACA crystals? The, the They look like crack. I yeah. haven't seen the crystals. I haven't seen the and I've seen the process, how it's made. It's just like a constant repressing of a, the same block over and over. So like, uh, let's hypothetically an ounce will give you uh, uh, probably like a gram or two. I mean, that's how many times they press this over and over again. So you're talking about a lot of work for a little effort, but that TACA crystal supposedly is going to be a lot stronger and, 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 and put you there higher. I had some uh, CBD crystals I used to put on my dabs and it, it, they're okay. You know, all these concentrates are just different for different people, different uh, endocannabinoid systems, you know? Right. Uh, I try not to ever say this is the, the absolute way to do things, you know? Right, because every body is different. But I got to tell you, I broke my, my foot last spring. It was a pretty bad break, very painful. So I go to this huge orthopedic chain. That's where my orthopedist is. And he offered me a prescription for narcotics. Of course he did. And I said, <laughs> nope, I've got my medical card. I'll go to the dispensary. And he looked at me and goes, dispensary? What are you talking about? So... Can you unpack this dispensary? I know of a pharmacy. Is what, what are you talking about? Right. So I, I did some education and went there, and I had not vaped before, but I knew I was going to need some of that type of instant pain relief, especially to sleep. And I got to tell you, it was great. I would do edibles to help me sleep through the night, you know. But I would wake up a little bit, and I just had that vape pen on my night table and a little you know, just a small draw from that. And I could go back to sleep because, you know, when you have a bad break and your foot's swollen, the weight of a sheet on it hurts. Yeah. yeah. So help too. Honestly, I, I, I was never been a believer in any of this stuff, you know, as far as like, ah, uh, you know, RSO doesn't cure can I just enjoy cannabis and know it doesn't kill anybody. It hasn't killed anybody. And, you right. know, as you learn more and see people uh, and, and experience it yourself, uh, 
like a hemp fest. It's a mile and a half one way. And so at the end of the day, your feet are sore, you're tired from walking, doing everything. Uh, but good lotions with CBD and stuff like that really do make a difference, you know, for the body aches and whatnot. Right. And when people talk about the risk of addiction, everything that I have heard says that you're as likely to get addicted to cannabis as you are to anything else, whether it be gambling, alcohol, sex, food. If you have an addictive personality, you might get addicted to it, but it's a behavioral addiction. They always equate the withdrawal to that of caffeine withdrawal. So, you know, balancing opioids versus cannabis. Don't talk to me before you've had my, my caffeine. So right. like, it could be a little bumpy <laughs> until what, a couple of days? So, cannabis addiction though, what is it? Addicted to what? Feeling better? It's behavioral. Exactly. Coffee addiction. Yeah. Addiction to what? Loving the, the, the morning and like, oh, come on. So, for the day, everybody. You know? Right. Right. So, I don't see that as a bad thing. And the other thing, if you haven't talked about it on here, have you ever talked about resetting your THC tolerance level? No. No. Okay. So, are you familiar with Dustin Sulak and healer.com? Also, no. He's, um, I think he's an osteopath. He's a doctor out of somewhere on the East Coast, might be Maine, if not, it's New Hampshire. And he has a clinic. He's treated, I think it's over 20,000 cannabis patients over the years. And he actually has set up protocols for resetting your THC tolerance because you can build up a tolerance to THC pretty quickly. So if that's why you're thinking, okay, I, I used to take a couple of hits and I was feeling good. Now it takes me a lot more. Save yourself some money. And, you know, protect your body because no one knows what the long-term side effects are of high THC use. So you could go online to healer.com. They're free protocols. But he basically says once a month, if you are able to take 48 to 72 hours off mm. of THC, use CBD, use other stuff. And he has protocols like for transferring off of opioids. So people who want the guidance and the help that don't have a physician that will do that for them. And there are even different protocols for if you're taking like, you know, one opioid a day versus like 15 to 20 a day. And if your cannabis use is really high, I think you might even have different protocols for if you're someone that needs like 150 milligrams to go to sleep. You know, oh, man, well, I know people I've met people that say their tolerance is that high, which to me just seems insane. A lot of people are really in pain, too, though. I mean, they're legit sick inside, which that. I think that cannabis helps fight. Well, you know. that it would be fun if we had cannabis bars. So like we could go, cause like some people I've smoked with and I'm just like, where did it go? Like, you know, it's just what, how could you just have, what, what do you mean the joint's gone? <laughs> point, I was good for like a while. And now I'm like, I'm ready for another hit. The whole joint's gone. <laughs> I mean, some people say if you switch up your strains, you don't build up the tolerance as quickly because of the different terpenes and flavonoids. Yeah, uh, Keith Strop mentioned that when he came on the program. Yeah. Because he, he also talked about how he still buys his ca stash illegally from California. I'm sure it's just FedEx right over. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he gets it from Mendo, right? And so then, but then he, he uh, argued just that. You need to have a couple of different strains so that you can never build up the tolerance to just one. So you can mix in this or mix in that. A lot of people swear by that because I'm in these different medical cannabis forums. And that advice comes from a lot of people. So if you're building up your tolerance, maybe try switching it up. But like, are we going to use this in our uh, gluttonous type of indulgent society that is modern day America and embrace like a smoke out or something like that, you know, 
as opposed to like beer fest where they were like literally drinking too much beer. Like we have Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a pie eating contest, but a smoking joints. That okay. I've heard their smoke outs. I won't say who I heard about this from and who I know that's attended, but offline, I will connect you if you're interested. Uh, no, I'm a, I have low tolerance, but sure. I, I, I am super low. No. <laughs> Maybe what was that broadcast out of Washington state? That was like uh, the dab roast or something. Oh yeah. The, uh, the, uh, we're doing uh, uh well, not me. I, I did one episode with them, but uh yeah, you do a whole dab, and he asks you a bunch of questions. Uh, one gram dab, excuse me. And one gram dab challenge. A lot. Yeah, it's a yeah, lot. That's a lot. I mean, you almost die from it. No one ever dies, but uh, <laughs> but you're gonna you're gonna get real. You feel high. like you're dying. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You know that's the thing about cannabis, right? I mean, you 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 can't OD no matter how bad of experience you have, uh, because you can't overdo it. Um, but they you just try to be Do you uh, know? Say again. Do you want to tell people why, for those that don't know? That it's non-toxic? Well, because there are no um, receptors, there are no THC receptors in the parts of the brain that control your breathing and your heart. So you can't shut them down. Alcohol can depress those and stop them. And that's why cannabis, which has been found to do incredibly well for curing certain cancers in, in some people, there are certain types of brain cancers. If your tumor is in that part of the brain, they have not yet figured out how to get the cannabis there to attack that tumor. So some specialists are trying to figure out what the cannabis can be attached to, to get it to those parts of the brain. Sorry. Now go ahead with what you were saying. Well, no, I, that was, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, I really had no idea what I was going to say too. <laughs> Well, you know, speaking of, we have kind of gone on for about an hour, so we can, uh, let's give away a book. That'll be something that we can finally, uh, here's how we'll do that. So uh, it's real easy. Now we could, we could ask people uh, to do this. We've done this before in the comments. We just ask them. Uh, but you know, instead, uh, the first person that emails me at Tom at collateralbase.com, uh, just give me your address. I will uh, mail you out a copy of the case of USB Urbis, which used to be titled Satan Smoke which is all about the history of why it's unconstitutional, and it still is. Goes the show. Thank you. And so for the reader events, if you go to to chicagoreader.com slash green, Mm -hmm. we'll take you to the landing page for our cannabis events. Chicagoreader.com slash green. Green. Yeah, and if anyone out there, you know, is trying to list cannabis events, just... Thursday, March 9th, Navy Pier. Yeah. Come find me at the event. And yeah. I'll out. You should. You should go, go to it and come find me as well because uh, it's Friday, so I don't have to do a broadcast of this. Well, these are also great. <laughs>